Good morning, everyone. It's going to be, as usual, going to be helpful to have your Bibles open there if you've got them. Well, as you know, we, uh, we're doing a sermon series on the topic of holiness. We've been in it for a few weeks now. Uh, and the passage we're looking at, uh, as Les rightly pointed out, is a continuation from the earlier part of chapter 6. And in the passage, you may have noticed that it has a lot to say about slavery and about freedom. So let me start with an illustration that I think will help us out as we go through this passage. Uh, There is some benefits to listening to Disney in the car rides with your kids. Uh, So earlier this week, I had this epiphany as I was listening to The Little Mermaid being sung in my car. Uh, The Little Mermaid, right, she longs for freedom from her watery world. She She looks at the land and she wants to be a human. She wants that freedom to be able to walk and run and, and, and do all the things that kind of humans do on land. She longs for that freedom. And eventually in the movie, she gets that. She uh, trades her voice for some legs and ends up on the land. But the irony there is that really she's traded one freedom for another. She's free from her watery world on the land but she's no longer free to explore the watery world as she once was. In a sense, she's traded one form of slavery for another. She's traded the slavery to the water that she couldn't escape from, but now she's a slave to the land. Sure, she can play in the shallows, but she can no longer explore the watery world and and the entire ocean the way that she could when she was a mermaid. And that's exactly the sort of situation that we find ourselves in here in Romans 6. See, when it comes to sin, either we are slaves to sin or we are slaves to God. And both come with different kinds of freedom. Either if you're a slave to sin, then you're free from God, or you're a slave to God and you're free from sin. But you can't have it both ways. Just like the mermaid, you cannot have it both ways. And the question that each of us need to answer from this text this morning is, which one are we? What kind of slave am I? Are we slaves to sin or are we slaves to righteousness? That's the question. And as we go through this passage, I've got three diagnostic questions that, that we can ask of ourselves to help us work out which one we are. And the first question is, who do you obey? Paul begins there uh, by reiterating the question that began this chapter. He says, what then shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Now, Paul repeats that question because some of his readers are Jewish who have lived their lives according to the law of God. And so, as Paul kind of reasons and argues his way throughout Romans 6, 
his readers would have come across this kind of problem. This would have been a difficulty for them because Paul has been arguing that we are no longer under the law, but we're under grace. And if you're a Jew, then that poses an obvious problem. See, the law was meant to restrain and stop sin. And if we're not under the law and if we're under grace, then does that mean that sin is no longer restrained? Or to put it simply, if we are no longer under the law, then what's going to restrain sin? Is God's grace enough to stop us sinning? The law, the law was meant to stop sin, and look at where that got us. So how is this going to be any different? And Paul's answer is that God's gracious kindness is absolutely powerful enough to curb the power of sin. It is far more effective and far more powerful than the law. And the reason why it's far more powerful is because God in his kindness is, has rescued us out of slavery to sin and has made us his slaves instead. But of course, our old master still calls out to us. And so we need to uh, let, this, let God's word diagnose our condition and, we- and work out, help us to work out whether or not we're living as slaves to sin or as slaves to God and as slaves to righteousness. And that first question, that first diagnostic question, who do you obey, is there in verse 16. Paul says there that we are slaves to whatever we obey. Look at verse 16. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. We are slaves to what we obey. See, how do you know if you're a slave to sin or a slave to God? Well, whoever you obey, that's your master. That's how slavery works. You know, pretty obvious. But the person who you obey is your master. They're your owner and you are their slave. And so when it comes to sin, who do you obey? Do you obey the call of sin or the call of God? Think back over the last week with me. Whose voice did you listen to most? And let's not pretend that we don't know what God expects from us. Don't, Don't pretend that we don't know what sin is. That line of argument doesn't work, even in our country, with our own laws, and it won't work with God. We all know what sin is, and we know what holiness is. So what's it been like for you this week? Who have you listened to? Let's think back over the conversations that we've had. What did you say? What did you think? What did you do afterwards? Were those conversations full of encouragement and kindness and love? Were they motivated by wanting to see the good of the other person? 
Or were they motivated by your own self-interest? Or let's think back over the things that we did. Were those things good and right and holy? Or were they things that if someone else knew about them, you would be deeply ashamed? You know, what did you do when you were by yourself, when no one was watching? What about our thoughts and emotions? You know, sin is not just about what we do and what we say. It's also about what we think and what we feel. You know, did you get jealous this week? Or angry or annoyed or bitter Conceited, dissatisfied, uncaring, resentful, spiteful, impatient, defensive, grumpy. You know, throughout this week, who did you obey? Were you listening to sin or were you listening to God? Who we obey is the one we serve. If we're obedient to sin then we are slaves to sin. So firstly, who do we obey? And secondly, which kind of freedom do you have? And just like the mermaid, we can't have complete freedom. Either we have freedom from sin or we have freedom from righteousness. And those options are listed there in verse 18 and verse 20. Uh, Look at them there with me. Verse 18, you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Or verse 20, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. We only have two options. Either we are free from sin and we're slaves to righteousness, or... We're free from righteousness and we're slaves to sin. Either we're enslaved to God and free to obey Him, or we are enslaved to the power of sin, wanting to live life our own way, in our own autonomy against God. See, both options give us a form of freedom. Sin offers a form of freedom, and God offers a form of freedom. And which kind of freedom do you have? If you want to know who your master is, then what kind of freedom is it that you have? Do you have the kind of freedom that allows you to obey God and to live a holy and righteous life? Or do you have the kind of freedom that is all about you and what you In a moment, we're going to think about what you get from each kind of life. But before we get there, we need to notice that only God can rescue us from our slavery to sin. Look at verse 17. But thanks be to God that that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. And Paul thanks God, and he does that because God is the one who set us free from slavery to sin. And that happens when we trust in Jesus. The, the pattern of teaching, 
that Paul mentions there is the teaching about Jesus. It's the gospel. And Christians talk a lot about the gospel. And the gospel is the message that Jesus is the king who has saved us from the consequences of our sin and has given us freedom, freedom to obey God. See, the freedom that Jesus has won for us is freedom from the control of sin. Uh, Augustine, who, who lived in the 300s, he has this helpful table. He says that before the fall, so thinking Adam and Eve, they were able to not sin. But then after the fall, after our, our rebellion against God, we're now in a state where we are not able to not sin. But now, because of Jesus, because of his death and resurrection, we've now been reinstated to that pre-fall condition where we're able to not sin. But then there will come a day in the new creation where actually we will not be able to sin at all. That option will just be taken off the table. And so we're living in that kind of third stage where we're living after death and resurrection of Jesus, which means that we can now say no to sin. And that is the freedom that God gives, to be able to say no to sin. This isn't a freedom. It's not freedom to stop sinning completely. Notice that that will happen in the new creation. That's still to come. Rather, it's the freedom that we have now to choose to obey God. Uh, Douglas Moo says it this way, Christian freedom is at the same time a kind of slavery. Being bound to God and his will enables the person to become free, to be what God wants that person to be. And God wants us to be holy. God wants us to live for him to be the people that we were meant to be. But we can't do that when we're slaves to sin. But thanks be to God, who has rescued us from the power of sin, so we can now live for him. And so what does freedom look like for you? Which kind of freedom do you have? Is it the kind of freedom that allows you to obey God, to live a righteous and a holy life? Or is it the sort of freedom that's all about you and what you want and about your desires? Is it the freedom of sin? What kind of freedom do you have? As I said, each of those freedoms comes with its own set of pros and cons. And so what is it that we get? What do we get? In verses 21 and 22, we're given a contrast between now and then, between a life that's lived as a slave to sin and a life that's lived as a slave to righteousness. And so uh, as, as we read these verses, see if you can pick up what we get now and what we get then. Look at verse 21 and 22. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. 
But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. Did you pick up what we get now and what we get then? See, when we're slaves to sin, what we get is shame now and death then. Sin brings shame. Shame for how we've treated others. Shame for what we've done to ourselves. Shame for how we've treated God. And from the moment, from the moment that sin entered the world, the results that we reap for ourselves has always been shame and death. The first emotion that Adam and Eve felt when they rebelled against God was shame. They were ashamed and hid from God, and then they died. You know, we think death is a natural part of this life, but it's not. Death is a horrible intrusion into the reality of this world. And death here is both physical and spiritual. Spiritual death is hell. Hell is receiving the just punishment for our rebellion against an eternal holy God. And that is the death that we face. But thanks be to God who's rescued us from the consequences of sin. When we become slaves to God, slaves of righteousness, then we get holiness now and life then. Jesus deals with the legal consequences of our sin. So instead of death, we get life. Yes, we're still going to die that physical death, but we will no longer be spiritually dead. We are made alive in Christ, able to live a life that's pleasing to God. And one day, our physical death will be reversed and we'll get raised to physical new life. And our physical life will then match this new spiritual life that we have in Christ. But not only has Jesus reversed the judgment of death, but he has also removed our guilt And our shame. And Jesus Jesus met all these people as he wandered around Jerusalem and Galilee and Judea. He met all these people who'd lived these sinful, horrible lives. And every time, every time he he forgives them and he removes their shame and their guilt. You know, the Samaritan woman who, who holds her head high as she tells her village about the forgiveness of Jesus. The woman who washes Jesus' feet with her tears, she leaves more clean than the self-righteous Pharisees who are watching And the leper, who's lived an entire life of shame as an outcast, is welcomed in. Jesus removes our guilt and our shame. That is incredible. He takes it away. And so we come to verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, 
but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Sin pays wages, but God gives gifts. Let me say it again. Sin pays wages, but God gives gifts. That is, sin gives us exactly what we deserve. That's what a wage is. You work for something, you earn it, you get what you deserve. And the consequences of working in sin is death. Our rebellion against God means that we deserve to die. And that is the wage that we receive for our sin. And all of us have worked in sin, accruing a wage that results in death. But God gives gifts. God gives gifts. That is, if sin gives us what we deserve, then God gives us what we don't deserve. That's what a gift is. A gift is something that's unearned and unmerited and undeserved. You don't earn a gift. You don't work for it. A gift is freely and generously given. And God freely and generously gives us life. And so a gift can't be earned. It can only be received in humble thankfulness to the one who gives it. The poet Ezekiel Azonwu says, We have all worked in sin, and death was the minimum wage. And if it wasn't for Christ we would have almost got paid. The only hope that any of us have is to receive the gift of God. If you don't, then sin will give you what you deserve. See, sin is not a bad employer who forgets to pay his employees. No, he will pay you exactly what you deserve, and it will be on time and according to, ex to how much you have earned. You can't avoid it. You can't escape it. But the gift of eternal life comes to us in Christ Jesus. Jesus lived a perfect, holy life, a life that didn't deserve death, and yet he took our pay packet so that we could have his life. He took our wages and we get his life. We have all worked in sin and death was the minimum wage. And if it wasn't for Christ, we would have almost got paid. Trust in Jesus. It's not too late to trust in Jesus. But tomorrow it might be. Yeah, I know a number of people here aren't Christians and we're glad that you're here. But you need to know that the wages of sin is death. And that's a situation that you can't get out of by yourself. 
You can't change jobs. Sin owns you. It is your master. Whether you like it or not, you have signed a contract with sin that can't be broken without the help of Jesus. Only Jesus is strong enough to set you free. Only he can give you life. And so let him. Will you let him? Let his death be your death. Let his life be your life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what do you want? What do you want? Do you want shame and death or holiness and life? That's the choice we face. What is it that you want? Shame now, death then, or holiness now and life to come? If you want holiness in life, and that begins and ends with the Lord Jesus, only he can give it to you. So what now? What do we do with all that? What does this mean for living a life of holiness? Well, if you're a Christian, if you're trusting in Jesus, then what we are to do is there in verse 19. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. Since Jesus has saved us, we are to offer ourselves to God as slaves to to righteousness. Now that hopefully doesn't come as a surprise. You know, if God has rescued us from our slavery to sin, if God is now our master, then we're to live that out. We're to live for him. You know, since we've been given righteousness, we're to live righteously. We're to continue following the pattern of sound teaching. You know, the Bible teaches us to say no to wickedness and yes to holiness. Sin is no longer our master. God is. And so we're to live for him. Now, in a sense, there's no different to what we've been saying in the previous, I don't know, five or so weeks, that we're to live out our righteousness. We're to live for God and not for ourselves. We're to offer ourselves as slaves to him, slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness, which means letting God rule us and not giving in to our own selfishness. We'll always want to do our own thing. But if we belong to God, then we need to be living the way that he wants us to live. And all of that sounds hard, but let's remember. Let's remember that Jesus is the best boss ever. He's gentle and humble and gives rest for our souls. You know, unlike sin, sin, unlike sin, Jesus' rule and slavery is easy. And the burden that he places on his people is light. And sin is destructive and oppressive and it wears us out. But Jesus promises that if we take his yoke upon us and learn from him, 
then we will find him gentle and humble in heart and will find rest for our souls. For his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Why would you not want to live for that kind of boss? For that kind of king? Sin is a terrible master. But Jesus is amazing. So let's keep living for him. Let's keep getting rid of sin. Let us live for the good, kind king who died for us. Come back to the little mermaid. Uh, She longs for freedom, but she doesn't realize that freedom from the ocean means slavery to land. And both are a type of slavery. But she assumes that life on land is better than life in the ocean. And that's also true when it comes to sin and to righteousness. Freedom from sin means slavery to God, but God is far, far better than our slavery to sin. And so who are you? What kind of slave are you? And what kind of slave do you want to be? Do you want to be someone who is a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness? To be a slave to righteousness, to be a slave of God, is far better than a slavery to sin. And so the ball's in our court. It's up to us. How... Are we going to live that out? What kind of slave are we going to be? If Jesus has rescued us and saved us, then let's keep living for him. But the ball is in our court. It's up to us. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the gift of salvation that we have in the Lord Jesus. Father, please help us to continue to offer ourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. Father, please help us to live lives that are worthy of the salvation and the freedom that you have given us in the Lord Jesus. Please help us to say no to sin and yes to holiness, we pray. Amen.